Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 to 21. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 19 uh, to 21. Um... I want to read from King James Version, others known as the Authorized Version, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then let's start just the same, same uh, chapter. I want us to read from verse 25 to 34. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither doth they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought of raiment? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon not last one, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of this. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and morrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Father, in the matchless name of Jesus, I thank you and I bless you. I give you praise. I give you glory and honor. Thank you, Father, for the ministry of your word. I pray for utterance. I pray for counsel. I pray for knowledge and understanding and the wisdom with which to be able to articulate your very, very heart and mind even unto your people, Jehovah God. How I pray that every mind shall be aligned in tandem with the, with, with the spirit of the house this particular day. I give you praise. I give you glory in Jesus' name. I've prayed, believing, and trusting. Amen and amen. amen. I set out to submit to us that, you know, friends, as believers, we do not rely on the blueprints of the world so as to derive the principles to administer our finances. In the administration, in the stewardship of our finances, we do not necessarily need to rely on what blueprints have been set by the Babylonian system of the world. Instead, we give thought to the truth of God's word. Because the word of God is the only thing that is sovereign and it is the only thing that gives us the ability to, have, to be able to have the knowledge, the understanding, as well as also the wisdom with which to apply God's word, beloved. Now, in matters... Concerning our finances, friends, it is the obedience of God's word that will superintend. 
If you want to come to the place where you are able to handle the whole idea of money and wealth, it is your obedience. It is your obedience that will superintend the conduct of all matters that regard your finances. Because friends, at the end of the day, you must understand that you and I, we are just custodians of what God has given to us. We are custodians of all the resources that God has given to us. We are stewards of all that God has given to us, beloved. We are superintendents of everything that God has entrusted to us, beloved. We are basically agents. We are caretakers of God's valuables, as well as also the assets that he has entrusted in our care. None of us owns anything. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? There is nothing that we own. Everything that you have was given to you by God. One way or the other. It does not matter how hardworking you are. Friends, you think you're hardworking. There are people who have come across who are hardworking, but they are struggling with life, but they're hardworking. Yes. You think you're very intelligent, my friends. I have met people who are more intelligent than you. People who have two PhDs, but they are living worse than a church mouse. So at the end of it all, beloved, time and chance happens to them all. It is not about how strong we are or how intelligent we are. Everything we have has been given to us by God and you and I, we are custodians. We are just agents, beloved. You see, a true believer is not impelled to amass wealth for selfish purposes. Are we together? What happens is that there has got to be an inclination within yourself that inspires you to get wealth to use to the glory of God. And that is why we are supposed to seek tranquility in whatsoever we have. We must pursue a sense of fulfillment in whatsoever we have, beloved. Because friends, at the end of it all, it is we who are the stewards of the possessions we have and not the other way around. Or rather, if I may use this word carefully, we are the owners of whatsoever we have. It is not whatsoever we have that owns us. Because friends, it is possible for money and wealth to take ownership over you. We live in a world whereby people are held captive by money and by wealth. And they bow at the altar of, conf- of, 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 of convenience all in the name of pursuing money. You know? You know, when you live by the principles of honesty, when you live by the principles of integrity, what happens is, is that it will prevent you and deliver you from all forms of deceit, all forms of fraud. Why? Because you find that you are governed, you are modulated by the boundaries of scripture. And that is why the rationale as well as also the enthusiasm for you having money and resources should be different from those who are of the world. Our intendance of money must differ from the world, beloved. Is somebody get what I'm saying? We must come to the place whereby we qualify the basis as to why we give. Whether we give in church, whether we give to charity or whichever place. Now, friends, you know, giving is a principle and it does not matter how you understand it. And this is not really about whether you are a believer or not. Giving is a principle, it is fundamental, and it works in each and every sector of life. It does not matter. In every jurisdiction where giving is done as a principle, even in the demonic world, my friend, that principle works. It works, beloved. It is a principle. The only difference between those who are of the demonic world and us is that they have been taught by the devil who stole a principle that was of God and corrupted it for his own selfish purposes. Hello. You know, God is not fundamental, uh, fundamentally, neither is he predominantly concerned that your income has increased. That is not his concern. That your income has increased, friends, that is nothing fundamental to God. It doesn't preoccupy his mind that you have increased in your income. And when I talk about income, I'm talking about those who are, who are on salary, those who are also in business. It doesn't bother God that your giving to the things of the kingdom has not increased. That you refuse to give to the work of God. Let me tell you, it does not move God even an inch. God is concerned about the revelation 
of your refusal to give in keeping with your income. You see, the key word here is revelation. Because you know, there are times, especially in church, we force people to give and they don't even have the understanding of why they're giving. And that is why in this church, we always emphasize the need to teach people first. If people are not taught, then they'll be giving amiss. But when they are taught biblically, not according to a Christian author, biblically as to why they give, when they understand why they give their tithes, when they understand why they give their offerings, when they understand why they give their fast fruits, when they understand why they give to each and everything, then is when they come to the place of having knowledge. And we help them to understand the prophetic purpose of giving. So that the giving will have meaning and it will yield fruit. Because if we give a miss, my friends, then we're giving in vain. Did you know those who serve the devil have an understanding from the devil why they give? And that is why they prosper in the manner of, of Satan. So that, and you know all truth is parallel? So if at all that particular policy applies in the demonic world, then it should also happen in the kingdom. Hello, church? God is concerned about your refusal to give in keeping with your income. More so, whether you have the revelation. God is concerned about what your refusal to give commensurates with your income reveals. What is it that it reveals of you when you refuse to give to church, when you refuse to give to the poor, when you refuse to help a neighbor in need? God is concerned as to whether, do you have the revelation and why are you not responding to the revelation? Because many times, you know, we respond to people rather than revelation. We see people and, and immediately we miss out. You see a pastor preaching on, give, on giving on TV and you're more concerned about the fact that the pastor wants your money. My friends, giving is a principle. It's not about the pastor. And you know, we must be delivered from this thing whereby we feel, well, we, we, you know, when we give, we, we are concerned about how our money is spent. Friends, money, when, when money is brought to church, it ceases to be your money. When money is brought to church, when you bring the offerings and the tithes at the place of the altar, it ceases to be yours. The moment it is yours, the moment you feel it's yours and you've not given. Because giving is more of a hard thing. I'd rather you don't even give anything. God is not concerned about what you, what, what you place in the offering basket. He's not concerned about what you send in the pay bill. He's concerned about what is in your heart. He's concerned about whatsoever has remained and why is it that you've reserved whatsoever has remained. Not that he's interested in it. He wants to know. He wants to test and see whether you're going to use it right because that which has remained with you is still his. Because you know, friends, many people in the church, they give in a manner that is inconsistent with their income. Okay? So that giving to them is out of convenience rather than conviction. If you give because it is convenient to give, then you've given a miss. Is somebody getting me? If your giving is because the pastor said you give, then you've given a miss. If you give because of particular needs that you see in place in church, then you've given a miss. Giving has to be a lifestyle. Giving is a form of worship. God gave us wealth to worship him. God did not give us wealth to amass and to hoard. He gave us wealth because wealth is, 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 is one demonstration of you being able to worship God. Because if you're able to worship God with your wealth, then God knows that he can trust you with anything. And there are certain things that God wants to give us that, 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 that are not material. If, if God cannot trust you with anything which is material, then why should you expect God to trust you with that which is spiritual? Hello? Giving must be in line with your income. Giving must be relative to your income. Giving must be proportionate to your income. Giving must be equivalent to your income. Because friends, giving is a pointer to what your priorities are. And it is by extension as to what you really trust or who is it that you trust. When you give, it shows whether you really trust God or not. So you have to check on your giving. Are you giving because you trust God or are you giving because it's convenient? Are you giving because you are fearing or are you giving because you love God? That is very fundamental. Because money and wealth are instruments of the heart, friends. You know, giving may be an act that we do. Whether it is physical cash, whether it is sending money to the bank account, it may just be an act, beloved. But at the end of it all, you must understand, there is a release that motivates you to give. 
And that release is a reflection of the true state of your heart. We may give in church, yes, we may give every kind of a thing, we may even give in kind, but the question is, what is it that motivates you to give? Are you giving to show off? Are you giving because you want a position? Are you giving because you want recognition? Or what exactly motivates you? Are you giving because you have a relationship with God? Or are you transactional in family? Because many times we do, our giving is transactional. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. My friends, God is not in the business of doing transaction. God wants worship. God wants relationship. Giving must demonstrate an act of a relationship you have with God. Giving is an exchange program because giving is a fundamental principle that is founded. It is rooted within the Godhead. Is somebody getting me? It is rooted within the Godhead. You see, within the Godhead, money in and of itself does not exist physically. Within the Godhead, money is, it exists as a principle of value. You give of your, you give of your, of your value, you give of your worth unto one another. That is what giving is all about. We give because we value. We give to God because we value him. We give to each other because we value to each other. We do not just give because there's a need. No. Of course, needs are there to be met, but friends, we must understand that fundamentally, giving goes just beyond anything material. You remember I told us last week, money is just a certificate of performance to show that you have placed value in somebody. Okay? But the legal tender itself is not a certificate of performance. Because the power of money is in the legal tender. And it represents its value, which is, which, which, is, which is constant, regardless as to whichever nation that you're in, in accordance with the exchange rate. Hello? Jesus. You know, people want to get increase. You know, you want to increase in your salary. You feel you've worked in a place for some time and you want a promotion. You've been doing business and you're expecting to make big money. And my friends, you know, God does not have a problem in bringing increase in your life. As a, as a practitioner in your light, as a, as a businessman, a businesswoman, God has no problem. Even as a church, God has no problem in giving us increase. And you see, increase does not necessarily make you covetous. Okay? It doesn't make you covetous. You see, covetousness is symptomatic of lack of faith in God's sufficient ability to meet our needs. A person who is modulated by covation, a covetous person is someone who has no faith in God. You cannot believe God to be able to meet your needs. You see, the Bible says, I think the 10th the, the commandment of Moses, if I remember very well, it says, thou shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Do you know why that was there? It is because God wants you to understand that whatsoever your neighbor has does not belong to you. It belongs to that, your neighbor. Your brother or your sister in the Lord has been found faithful to have whatsoever he or she has. And therefore it is not in your business to covet what somebody has. What's, what a person has cannot be compared to what God will bring. Let's look at it this way, friends. Your neighbor has a very nice car, a nice beamer parked outside the silo. And here you are thinking that now that this person has got this car, I need to be borrowing it from time to time. And if, and if you're a pastor like me, I'll come up with a rema word <laughs> that God is bringing a car from Dubai. You need to sow this car into this anointing. Friend, that is covetousness. It is a spirit of witchcraft. That is divination. Why must a prophecy come when somebody has been blessed? And it's not even amongst pastors. Even certain intercessory groups, you'll find people, the moment they see something you have and they begin to covet. And it's not very right, beloved. Because if God can bless somebody with something, 
How much more can God bless you? You that has a little faith in him. Don't you think you're, you're of greater value than what somebody owns? There is nothing we own that supersedes the value and the worth of a human being. Regardless as to whether that person is poor or rich, every human being is priceless. So let's not put our value on materialism because there's nothing which is material that will stay, nothing. It will all, all end. Friends, you know, as I said, increase is not a problem. God has no problem bringing increase in a person's life. What increase does for some people is that it basically unveils, it reveals the hidden covetousness of their hearts. You know, when some of you left school, you came to my house and you wanted us to pray together so that you may get a job. And God blessed you with a job and you got your first salary. If you go back in time, you'll discover, if not for all of you, some of you are full of covetousness. When you hear about tithing, my money, offering my money. You bought a car and somebody asked you, do you mind just dropping me here and you come up with an excuse that you need to go somewhere and you're just lying to people. It's because you're full of covetousness. And then there's also another side of it whereby when we see other people having something, then it reveals who exactly we are. Do you know, friends, for a lot of people who are friends, who are, who are in some sort of a relationship, when resources were absent, people were brothers and sisters. But the moment resources came, it brought division. It brought serious division. People no longer talk to each other. You know one problem with poor people? Poor people think that rich people are always proud. Poor people think that rich people are, they have this tendency of not being generous. But the truth of the matter is that it's the other way around. Because poverty is not about materialism. Poverty is a state. It is who you are in your heart and in your mind. Because allow that same person who is poor to access resources, friends, the next thing you'll discover is that poor people look for opportunities to consume. Poor people do, do not know how to invest. Now when I'm talking about poverty, I'm not talking about materialism. You know when you're poor, what that means is that you have, you, you, have, you have no ability to discover your value. Because richness has nothing to do with what we own externally. Richness is something intrinsically. If you're able to draw out from the reservoir of your pristine identity that, and you're able to provide solutions for your generation, friends, you will be rewarded for the solutions you pay. Yeah. But many poor people cannot provide any solutions. The only thing they want is to be given so as to consume. Hello? And you know, when you are devoted in that which is less, you become even dependable in plenty. What I'm trying to say is that if you are faithful in the little things, God will entrust you with that which is much. And that is why, friends, regardless as to how much you and I have, remember, friends, our devotion to God is manifested in our giving, regardless as to whether we have much or less. Why? Because we know that God is a giver. God is a giver. And our devotion to God is what qualifies the manner of giving and what is given. Okay? Because, friends, giving is impelled by the posture of the heart. Hallelujah. The, bountiful, the, the bountifulness of our hearts is what governs our giving. Not the resources. Okay? The increase in our hands lacks the potency of capacity to determine our giving. Whatever, you see, when you receive, when you receive, a, 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 you know, a, a pay rise, if I may put it that way, and you know, you're fundamentally expected to give your first fruit of increase. Now, let me tell you something. What you give in and of itself is not potent enough to determine your capacity. It is not potent enough to determine what manner of giving, because 
Increase has no capacity to govern our giving. Giving is determined by the posture of your heart. It is your heart, friends. What you have in terms of resource is an instrument of the heart. Not what you don't have. What you have. What you don't have, the reason why you don't have it is because it was never meant for you. What you do not have does not belong to you because it was never meant for you. So let's not talk about what we don't have. Let's talk about what we have. And what you have has nothing to do with what you have in your, in your bank account. It has got to, a lot to do with who you are within. Because when you love God, friends, you'll never struggle giving for him. You will. You will not even need a preacher to preach you, you know, a series on giving. You know, friends, God in his wisdom gave us the choicest. He gave us the best to us through creation. He gave us the best to us through redemption. And therefore, friends, you and I, it behooves us to give our best to him. You know, God gave the most inimitable and superlative of all that he actually possessed. What God did is that he extracted from himself, from within himself, and gave to mankind the sublime expression of his nature in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And that is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, that I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. What Paul is saying is that give your life to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. That is where it begins. If you're able to give those aspects of your life, those things that constitute who you are in your pristine state, my friends, you will not struggle giving offering, giving tithe, and so on. But the truth is that people struggle to do so because they think they love God until when God touches on money. That is where the problem is. We struggle. We say we love God, but we only love him with our mouths, but our hearts are very far away from him. And one thing that I've discovered in my own life as a believer and as, as well as also as a minister, God will, will test you on your giving. He will. I've gone through it. And you know, one interesting thing about my life is that God never allowed me to just have more so as to give. I had to learn to be faithful with little. Yes. And I never gave to family, by the way. I started with strangers. I started with widows, with orphans, and every other kind of person. When I was a pastor in, 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 in Kayole, friends, you know, I was in a place called Soweto, Soweto being the bedrock of Mungiki, you know. We used to deal with them from time to time. And uh, some of them would come with needs. And you know, you are, you are their pastor and you have to share with whatsoever you have. It was a training ground, friends. And I discovered, friends, you cannot withhold anything from God if you have given your spirit, your soul, and your body to him. The reason why we withhold resources is because we have not really given ourselves to him. Because we don't trust him enough. We don't trust God enough. We live as though we are survivors. Do you know many Christians are survivors? Hey, hey. We survive. And you know this word hustle, unfortunately, when you look at it in its actual sense, it is, it, it, it is a word that has been abused. I'm doing this small hustle of mine. It's a small hustle. And the person who's telling it's a small hustle is a person who's, who, who's, who's self-centered. I don't want to go there because I know I'll step on some of you as I look at some of your faces. We must give 100% to God. When we give 100% to God, my friends, you'll not withhold anything. You'll not withhold from God your time. You'll not withhold from God your talents or your abilities. You'll also not withhold from God your finances. Because giving starts with your life. It does not start with your money. Hey. Giving starts with life. Yes. Giving starts with where you offer your spirit, where you offer your soul, where you offer your body as a service unto God. You're telling me you're waiting until you earn. You're, you're telling me you're waiting until you start a business, my friends. You should have started giving long time ago. You have to dedicate time in the service of God. Come on. 
you have, to, you have to dedicate your talent in the service of God. But many times we give because we have an expectation to receive something which is material. The starting point of giving, friends, is your heart, not your pocket. Are you getting me in for me? And those of you who are watching at home, giving starts from your heart, not your pocket. Giving starts from your heart, not from your MPESA account. When you give from the posture of your heart, you will never struggle giving from MPESA, from your bank account, or from your pocket. It has to be a heart thing because giving is a heart thing, not a pocket thing, not a money thing. You know, friends, your heart posture is influenced by the correct perception that you have about the person of God. Why do we struggle giving in church? Why do we struggle even sharing whatever we have with, 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 with our neighbors and those who are in need? Why is it that you find it very hard to give to a chama that you belong to? Because I know we, are in, we, 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 we live in a time whereby we belong to different chamas and many times we default. Hallelujah. Mm. And we give all kinds of excuses. We lie left, right, and center. I'm telling you, people lie. You know? Huh? People lie. The reason why we, we struggle even to fulfill our pledges in church, in chamas, and everywhere we go is because we have a wrong posture. And the reason why we have a wrong posture within our heart is because our perception about God is wrong. And when your perception about God is wrong, you'll perceive people wrongly. When you do not know how to perceive the person of God aright, you'll perceive the pastor or the bishop wrongly, you'll perceive the deaconry wrongly, you'll perceive the rich people wrongly, you'll perceive every, every person wrongly. So friends, we need to check on our perception, and you know perception is influenced by what you see and how you see. You know we may be all seeing the same thing, but the, the problem is not what you're seeing. How are you seeing it? How are you seeing what you're seeing? You may be hearing the same message, such as the one that I'm ministering, but the question is, how are you hearing? Are you hearing it as though Bishop is interested in your money? My friends, we are not, picking, we are not collecting an offering after this, so relax. <laughs> Those of you from home, we are not going to send our MPESA bill for you to collect an offering. No, we want to teach life. I'd rather we don't collect an offering because of a message such as this, but out of the bountifulness of your heart, you send it, not because anybody has pushed you. That is the kind of giving God is looking for. That is the kind of giving that moved people in the early church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You must have the accurate perception of the person of God's purpose for your life. You must have the most accurate perception about God's mind and heart about finances. You know, most of the teachings about finances, both in the body of the Lord, not, not the entire body of the Lord, but certain sections of the body of the Lord, and even outside there, is self-centered. It's not God-centered. You know, many believers are very apprehensive. They are more apprehensive about getting their own selfish desires met than doing the work of God. Let's, let's be very honest. That's why when you hear a seminar on finances, you go. And friends, you will even pay for that seminar. Isn't it? You'll pay an amount of money that you would not, and, and you know whatever you pay is much more than what you even give as an offering. You'd rather abscond tithing, but you're going to pay 10,000 shillings for a three-day training. And you'll come out with nothing. And then you'll wait for somebody else to come from abroad to pitch camp at Serena Hotel, and you'll be told, pay 15K. My friend, you will borrow and do everything except stealing. To, to, to attend that, that seminar. And you'll tell people you are really blessed. But the truth is, look at your life after 12 months, nothing has changed in your business. Nothing has changed at your place of work. Because the posture you have at your place of work is that you're expecting your boss to promote you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You're not keen about adding value at the, at the place of work. 
You don't want to add value. You want promotion. My friend, you cannot build your life on promotion. Hey! Especially where salary is concerned. Let's be honest. Hello, those of you in the marketplace, am I talking to people in the marketplace? I'm not saying that we should not seek for promotion. If you, if you know very well you qualify for a promotion and there's an opportunity that has opened up, apply, but my friend, salary can never take you anywhere. Infamy. Time has come wherever you must go into business. You must have more than one stream of income. You must have more than three streams of income. If we are going to do exploits for the kingdom, my friends, that salary you're earning will not be enough. God has placed you there so that you may be an apprentice. So that you may be able to add value. And as you add value, he'll give you the wisdom as to how to start your own. But God cannot allow you to start your own if you are unfaithful to whatsoever has been committed to another person. Because the problem at the marketplace is that people are not faithful to what has been committed to another person. Christians are known to have very long coffee breaks. And when you meet them, they are sharing. Scripture upon scripture. When they're supposed to be working. Stealing the company's money. Hello? It is true. Then when somebody is fired, that same person will say, I'm, 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 I'm being fought. There's spiritual warfare in the workplace. My friends, we don't waste prayers. Prayers are not supposed to be wasted. Do you know many people are spending so much of their time building their bank accounts? People are spending their time enjoying the pleasures of this world. People are spending their time acquiring material possessions. Then they do spend their time extending the kingdom of God. So that you find that instead of some of these guys setting their affections on the things above according to Colossians 3 verse 2 or laying up treasures in heaven according to Matthew chapter 6 verse 20, most people are busy accumulating the wealth of this world for their selfish purposes. And you know why they do so? It's because they lack satisfaction. They, they are not satisfied with having their needs met. Instead, they want their wants to be met. You know, there's a, you remember I told you there's a difference between wants and needs? Yeah. Yeah. What is a need is not a want. God wants to meet our needs. God does not respond to, uh, respond to wants. And then the other thing you must understand, people are at different levels when it comes to needs. What might be a need to you may not be a need to me. So if, if, if let's say, for instance... You notice Mrs. Mushai adorning herself with jewelry. At her level, jewelry is a need. But to you, it is not a need. So you do not look at her and begin to say that this Miss Moneybags is just bragging around here. She does not know that God desires inner beauty. It's not about outward beauty. You see, that is misapplication of scripture. That is misapplication of scripture. If she has her jewelry, let her be. I mean, that's her level. You desire that God may give you, or rather bring you to the place whereby, apart from jewelry, there'll be other things which will actually be a need to you. It's true. For other people, owning a car is a need, not for luxury. It is a need that will enable them to move from one place to another. I remember my dad told me that um, when he left serving as a member of, 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 the, of, of the police force, he worked for the CID in, uh, in the mid-70s and he joined an oil company. You know, he, he was not very keen about driving, but because of the nature of his job, he was told that you are required to own a car. It is a must because you'll be moving from place to place. That is how my dad was forced to buy a car. Now, people at home thought that he was showing off. Yeah. Whenever you take us to the village, you know what would happen is some people would actually say that we are wazungus from abroad. <laughs> and you know, for him, he was not coming to show off. It, 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 by virtue of the fact that he owned a car, he had to move from place to place. It was the company that bought for him. It was not his own salary. And naturally, whenever he would go to the village, he would want to take his family. So, you know, we never really understood this. You know, whenever we would go as kids, we'd look at how people are behaving. Then later on, we realized that we're being called wazungus. But, uh, you know, when we looked at our skin and saw the hair, there's, there's not much of a difference. Those are those days. We must come to the place where we design each other in Christ. 
That if we see some people having been elevated to a particular position, let's not covet what they have. Because even if you're given what they have, you'll not be able to handle. You do not have the capacity to handle the things that people have. Hello, church. If you cannot be faithful with four pairs of trousers, why do you want ten? And four pairs of trousers in a kushinda. I think that is how basic I can bring it. You can't handle two pairs of dresses, but you want to have a whole wardrobe. God wants us to be faithful with the little that is given to us. Hmm? He does not want us to be at a place whereby we have a desire for our wants to be met. God wants to meet needs, and God only responds to need. No need, no supply. Where there's a need, there will be a supply. If, if there's no need, there's no supply. The other thing is that God also wants us to be content with what we have. So that we avoid being in a state whereby we are perpetually seeking additional wealth and material possessions. Hello? Many, many believers, unfortunately, have put their confidence in their bank accounts and paycheck. Many. They have put their confidence in their financial investments instead of depending on God. Now, friends, we live in a time whereby banks collapse. Depositors lose their money. And you've put your confidence in your bank account. So what happens? Financial investments collapse. You, we, we know very well what we went through in these countries just some years back. So where is your security? If you trust your resources in the hands of men, then you are preparing to fail. Okay? You know, the errant teaching concerning finances that we see, we, we, we hear about in the world today have made a lot of people lose sight of God's purpose for prospering his people. God does not prosper you so that you may consume it in the lust of your flesh. God does not prosper us so that we may heap up treasures here on earth. That is a very wrong way of looking at it. We serve a God of purpose and he has a specific purpose as to why he grants us finances. The divine purpose of God for finances is that we may serve to extend his kingdom. Hello? The other thing that I would also like to say is this. You know, money was created to serve as an instrument that should flow freely in the world as well as also individuals' lives. Money was never created to remain static. You see, the free flow of money is supposed to create an abundance to meet each and every need. The moment you hold money, what happens is you stop the flow and therefore, there will be, therefore needs will never ever be met. And that is why the more we give in whichever way and in whichever fashion, the more it flows back to you. Because friends, the law of giving has no respect for any person. Yeah. Whether you are saved or not saved, the principle of giving is applicable. And that is why it doesn't matter how much we, you know, you know we may condemn the Asian community and say all manner of things. You know there are things we say about them. But one thing I can tell you about Asians, these guys give a lot to charity. They give amongst themselves. They ensure that there is an ecosystem that is sustained to make sure that money does not come out of their circles. It's true. And giving is a principle that starts from an Asian family. It spreads to the extended family and to every other person. Same thing also to Arabs. But Christians are their own worst enemy. Christians do not like to support each other. Christians frustrate each other. You know, every individual person wants to succeed on his or her own. But my friends, your success is tied to somebody else. Your prosperity is tied to your ability to supply to somebody. You will never prosper because of your own ability. You try. Am I making sense? Yes. You try building a mansion in the middle of Kibera and tell us whether you're going to survive. Until you make sure that people in Kibera are comfortable. If you try to come up with something, it may be brought down because you'll basically be exposing them to the temptation to, to, to break into your house. 
Because why should you have a very nice, uh, magnificent mansion and you're surrounded by a sea of human poverty? And this is something that we need to see happening. Whereby we ensure that before we, t we, we, we take care of ourselves, we take care of other people. We think about other people first before we, th we think about ourselves. Hello? You know, those who hoard money, hoarders tend to argue, uh, to argue that the reason why they, they cannot give is because they don't have. That is a lie. Church, I want to submit to us. None of you can dare submit to me that he or she does not have money. When I look at you, I can tell you took breakfast. When I look at you, I believe you, you, you never walked from wherever you came from until this place. You must have boarded a mat, or you came via cab, or you came driving. So that means you used money. So that means you can give. Not necessarily to church, but to somebody. How about considering, you know, sacrificing your lunch and, 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 and allow somebody else to eat? Have you ever considered that? You know that so-and-so is hungry and, my, and, and has no hope of getting any meal the following day. What about you doing away with your lunch and, and supplying to that person? That is how giving begins to work in our lives. Hello? Hello? You know, many times we think that we can only give material things. Friends, we can also give our time. You know time is money? We can give our talents. We can give every other thing that we can do for people. Spending time with somebody is in and of itself enough to capacitate that person to be able to discover the value that he or she has to the extent whereby he can be able to provide solutions for his generation. Hello? And you know, those who want to acquire only without giving, what happens is that they degenerate spiritually. To the lowest of the lowest. You know, money is one subject that stirs up a lot of feelings within us. It brings joy, it brings happiness. And you know, the lack of money, you know, it puts people in a state whereby they are fearful. Many people are depressed because they don't have money. Many people feel worthless because they do not have money. And friends, I want to submit to us that money in and of itself has no energy. Money is just a piece of paper, it's a piece of metal, it has no energy. The energy behind your money are your thoughts and desires. Money has no energy, Bishop. The 200 shillings that you have in your pocket, the 500 shillings, even what you have in your bank account, has no energy. It has no capacity to do anything. The energy behind whatsoever you have in your account, whatsoever you have in your M-Pesa account, whatsoever you have in your wallet, are your thoughts and desires. That is where the energy is. Hello? Because you see, friends, your thoughts and desires manifest as reality depending on the strength of the heart behind the pursuit of money. There's also the ultimate purpose as to why you're pursuing money. That is what gives it energy. Through your thoughts and desires. And that is why, friends, when you hoard money, if you're the kind of person who hoards money, if you're very stingy in whichever way possible, what you're hoarding, you will lose through another avenue. If I withhold money from you, Reverend Maureen, I will lose it through another avenue. There was a time in a, this, was, this must have been, I think, JCC, if I'm not wrong. One of the members of the deacon, of the deaconry, he shared a testimony. He was meant to have given some amount of money and he felt that that was the only amount of money he had in his pocket. He was telling us in, a, in, in one of the overnights, so he decided he's not giving. He decided he's not giving. So he leaves church, gets into his car, then as he's driving, he realizes that he has got no fuel. So he goes to the nearest filling station, and lo and behold, he does not see his wallet. He does not see his wallet. 
So he had to stay for some time. He didn't even know how to explain things. And he knew very well it was because he disobeyed. It was not the pastor who preached a message of giving. Because I, was in that, I, I remember I attended that service. The message was completely different. But he said he was impelled to give, but he refused. What saved him was a friend of his whom he had not seen for a long time, who also drove in. That's when he said, hallelujah, at least my Savior has come. And this is not only in church, friends. Sometimes, you know, you may see somebody in need and then you're moved. You're prompted to, to help that person and you refuse. Friends, you're going to lose what you're refusing to give, one way or the other. There are those impressions you get. You're supposed to help somebody. You're supposed to pay school fees for a person and you refuse. Not only will you lose the, the exact amount of the school fees, you'll, you, you, you'll also lose the, 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 the extra amount of money. So you're going to lose friends. Hmm? If you're meant to give your resources in one way or another, and you decide to withhold, one thing, that, one thing you must understand about money, you see, money operates on the principle of movement. And whether you like it or not, the principle of movement will be operational in and through your life in a manner that whatsoever you hoard must go to waste. You refuse to give, well and good, fine, don't give. But friends, understand this. Money does not respond to your greed. Money does not respond to your selfishness. Money does not respond to your, to your solical nature that makes you to think how wise you are in your own eyes to save. The principle of movement will ensure that whatsoever you're holding will go. You'll just fall sick. And you go to hospital. Now, will you tell the doctor in the hospital, you know, I can only afford this? <laughs> You'll have to pay some money, my friends. Oh, yes. You can't go there speaking in tongues. Jesus. Even if the doctor is a brother or a sister in Christ, my friends, when you go to a hospital, my friends, it is business. Even if you curse that doctor, my friends, that curse is without a cause. It will be returned back to sender because you are evil, you refuse to give, and as a result, the principle of movement made sure that the money left your pocket. And, it, and, and you know, we have, we, we have no control about what happens to us. If it is not sickness, it will be a particular need. It's true. So, dear hoarders, <laughs> you know, friends, the purpose of the spiritual energy of money is to know one thing, that material things are just basic. They do not constitute true happiness. Material things are just basically a representation of what is intrinsic to life. Yes, my niece. Okay. Is the Lord ministering to you something? Oh, she's smiling. That is my beloved niece. Yeah. We, we can be ministering to each other. And in case you get a remo, just stop me and I'll just, we'll send a mic there to you. You know? Our true value is intrinsically within our pristine identity, friends. You know, if our true identity is granted the unlimited power to express the fullness of potential in accordance with the purpose of God, then one thing you must know is that it is capable of providing for all your needs. Hey. If your true identity is given the unlimited power to express the fullness of potential yes. that is in accordance with God's prophetic purpose. Aha. Your true identity and everything that constitutes it has the ability, ah. immeasurable capacity Aha. to provide for all your needs. Hey. 
Because everything you need is vested within who you are. Within who you are. Not what you are. And let me tell you something. This is not about going to school. Let me tell you, many people are graduates, but they are struggling. We are not talking about that. Going to school is important, but that in itself cannot solve anything. Don't tell me it's because my, my dad never took me to school. I was never sponsored to, 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 to do a master's, and that's why I'm struggling. My friends, that is not the issue. The issue is, do you really know who you are within? Many college graduates are billionaires. Oh, yes. I've come across people who dropped out in primary school and they are doing wonderful things in this country. Some of them have employed graduates in their companies. So what are you doing with yourself? And you're telling us here that, oh, it's because of this and that. It's because of the economy. There is no such a thing as it's because of the economy. The reason why the economy is in the state it is is so that you and I may be able to discover what opportunities are there. Come on. Because we serve a God of possibilities. Yes. Now the God of possibilities operates within the construct of opportunities. Yes. Now opportunities will always be presented in the midst of a crisis. So whenever there is a crisis, yeah. what opportunities are there? Because when every other Kenyan is whining about the economy, are you able to see the opportunity and maximize on it? Because it is within the ability to discern beyond the veil of visibility that you not only will you be able to maximize on the opportunity, you'll be able to do what? To tap into the possibilities of God to provide solutions for your generation. And therefore, friends, it is inconsequential to worry about your sustenance. Hello? Is somebody getting me? You know, one thing that I've discovered about money, people live in a state of fear. People fear a lot. And you know, fear was the first negative emotion that was experienced by Adam and Eve as a result of their sin. And as a result of that, you find that fear has been transferred in each and every sector of life, including money. Hmm? You know what happens when people fall into sin? Their spiritual eyes are opened to their true condition, not to what God is and who God is. Instead of seeing the greatness of God and seeing the mercy of God, you see your own condition. People who live in sin... Their eyes are not focused on the masses of God. Their eyes are focused on their condition. Their eyes are focused on their struggles and their inadequacies. They cannot see the sufficiency of Jehovah God. They do not consider that Jesus is their sufficiency. And what happens is when people operate in fear, just as with Adam, when Adam found himself in fear, what what happened is it resulted in him operating in, a, in the realm of shame. And shame made Adam hide away from the presence of God. This is something that also happens within the realm of finances. Because fear will keep you hiding from the heart of life. Where you remain ashamed, okay? You are trapped in a cycle of financial famine. When you come to a church such as this and you see people smartly dressed, you're, you are in fear. You feel, I don't belong here. I don't think I can fit amongst these people. Who said that the church is a place for class? The problem is not what you perceive as class. The problem is you. Hello? You know, friends, one of the things that you must discover about fear is that fear will attack your mind. The fear of loss of money, the fear of, 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 of not being able to sustain yourself financially is that your mind will be held captive and you will face financial famine. Because the spirit of fear has attacked you. Okay? And then you know what happens is, because you're in that particular state, there will be these unexpected emergencies that will creep up. Your car will break down, you're fearful. There are medical bills to be paid, you're fearful. You have a mortgage and every other thing. So fear in and of itself, it will take hold of your mind. 
Instead of praying, you'll be thinking about how to sort out your bills. One thing that I discovered in life, even when I don't have money, I'll not fear. And I'll not be bothered. Because even if you fear, even if you worry, you cannot change anything by too much worrying. You cannot change anything by worrying. The truth is, you do not have, and it's okay you don't have. And there's no problem, you're still valuable. The best thing is to hear God. And find out what is the mind of God concerning this situation. And sometimes God will tell you, leave it. And many times even when God tells us to leave something, we, 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 we are not contented just to remain. Because we are in a generation whereby we want to compete. Because you want to be at the same level as every other person. Hmm? People worry about the fact that they lose their homes. They worry about the fact that they lose their jobs and so on and so forth. And there are a few of you here who worry so much about your jobs. My friends, when that time comes for you to be fired, you'll be fired. <laughs> Bishop, this is your golden jubilee. Why are you saying such things which are hurtful? That is the truth. Bishop, you're supposed to be encouraging us. I am encouraging you by telling you the truth. When the time comes for you to be fired, my friends, it doesn't matter what kind of stops you pull. You will be fired. But the question is, is that the end of life? No. When some of you got fired some years back, you thought that that was the end of the world. Little did you know that, little did you know that a better opportunity opened. Isn't it? An opportunity opened whereby you're earning more and you had a very a good boss. So if you get fired again, just know that it is one's way of God transitioning you from that particular place to another place. Or is that hard to take? Let me tell you something. Fear must be broken out of our lives, especially where money is concerned. Because what happens with fear is that it will cause you to hold your financial resources. You become even stingy to your spouse. We need to cut down. Eh? You keep on switching imaginary lights that are on. <laughs> when your kids are watching TV, you tell them you're wasting electricity. You even time as to how long your refrigerator should be on. You, you start switching everything. My friend, that is bondage. I want to live in fear. If at all, if at all, if, if, if at all I have to leave that way, then take away the fridge. Yeah, I don't need it. After all, I had a life when I didn't want a fridge. But if it is in my house, it must serve me. Or else it goes. Huh? You know, fear will prevent you from obeying God's word. Especially about finances. Where you're told to separate the portions like Bishop Mulubi taught us in 2013 and you begin to feel, hey, all this money, oh my God. All this money, why? You know, it is so funny that some people, even when they've given to church bishop, they're able to see their money even in the church bank account. I don't know how. Am I making sense? They want to see the movement. I don't know whether you guys, I'm speaking figuratively. Yeah, they want to see the movement. They are not concerned about any other person's giving. They are only able to see theirs. Jesus. You know, whenever we give in this church, we put all the money together. And we are not cognizant as to who has given and who's not given. That's why we don't even keep a record of tithers. Because tithing is, is, a, is that is a contract between you and God. It's not our business. Yeah. You see? Fear is one thing that causes people to operate in a state of unbelief unbelief and unbelief will bring you to the place whereby you'll keep on wandering within the miasma of, of, of financial wilderness and unbelief will hinder you from entering into the promises of God in the area of finances hello it doesn't matter how great your financial crisis is God is greater Determine in your heart right now to embrace God's promises, not your troubles. No. You know many people embrace their troubles. Eh? Many people embrace their debts. Isn't it Denizango? Deniango. Denizango. You know? Uh, determine within your heart to forge ahead and claim the promises of God especially in the area of money beloved 
Okay? So that when you see other people prospering, you don't see yourself as a grasshopper. Aha! That is powerful. If you want to succeed, Fred, let me tell you this. Let's not despise people who are rich. If you are aspiring to make wealth, hang around people who are wealthy. There is something that will rub on you. Hang around those who are wealthy, my friends, and you will understand what it means to be wealthy. You can learn from their mistakes and learn from their strengths. How can you talk about the fact that God has told me that I'm going to be wealthy, yet you, you, you don't even know. You've never even read a book on wealth. And you're telling us here that God spoke. That must have been the soul. Because if God spoke, then why are you just operating in a very funny way? If God has spoken to you, then you must do something. You know, there are things God will never tell you. You have to use common sense and hang around those that will teach you about matters of wealth. They will teach you their mistakes. They'll teach you also where they succeeded. Because a wealthy person wants to contribute. But if you hang around consumers, my friend, you'll never be healthy. People who just want to consume. Those who hang around consumers, you know, you pick your fellow consumers. You know, we, the Consumers of Wealth Association. So you're looking for opportunities to just consume. My friends, you will be poor. You'll be poor, my friends. Are we together? Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.